Hello, everybody. Marcus Giuliano here, your host of In the Weeds, Real Tales from the Restaurant Industry. And who's joining me today? Uh, hello, I'm Gurley, and I'm a 27-year-old restaurant owner from Estonia in Northern Europe. Excellent, from Estonia. So Estonia's in Northern Europe. I think that's probably south of Norway, am I correct? No, uh, no. We, are just, we are just across the sea from Finland. Across the sea from Finland, okay, okay. I'm not up on my Northern um, Europe geography that well, so. <laughs> I am on Italy, you can ask me questions on Italy and Spain, I know much more about Italy and Spain. Okay, so 27-year-old um, restaurant owner, but that's not your, that's not your, your career or your calling. It's just your passion, correct? Uh, well, I have three great loves in my life. Food, criminal law, and golf. I play a lot of golf. <laughs> golf, okay. All right, so criminal justice. So you're on your way to be an attorney. I hope so, if I have enough time from the restaurant. <laughs> how, long, how long have you had the restaurant? Uh, it will be two years now in May. Two years in May. So you bought an existing restaurant at 25 years old while going to law school yeah, and getting ready to graduate law school, enter yeah. criminal uh, law, and both those are your passion as well as golf. So let's talk about the restaurant industry. Did you have any previous experience? Were you a waitress anywhere? Were you a bartender? What was your previous experience in the restaurant world? Uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it's, it's not that big. I used to be a waitress when I was a teenager. Back then, I didn't have any like passion for restaurants. It was just a, just a job. And then about uh, seven or eight years ago, I made this event uh, where people are eating with their eyes closed and they don't know what they're eating. So it was like blind dinner. So I organized those like, I don't know, maybe six or seven times. And then I, then, then I stopped. Then I was just, you know, like, like a homemaker, you know, I was cooking at home and then one day I got a call from a friend and saying that like hey there's a great place for sale are you up for it so I went to the restaurant and then 10 days later I signed the deal and I bought it <laughs> wow wow okay so you had waitress before so you sort of knew what you were getting into but not really know what you're getting into well no I mean when you're 16 or 17 and the waitress you have no idea what it's like to run a business especially a restaurant because it's, true. it's a very hard business. True, true. So 25 years old, you buy this restaurant. What's the first thing you discover, the first shocker that you discover? That people who work at restaurants, they drink a lot. You know, it, it doesn't matter if they're off work or during work, they just drink a lot. They drink, they drink <laughs> a lot. Yes, yes. And now I drink a lot because of that. <laughs> we taste a lot, it's work. Yeah, we taste so much. So you love food. You have a passion for food. You buy this restaurant. Um, you're, you jump in and you're like, wow, everybody around me is drinking no matter if they're on the clock, off the clock, day off, whatever's going on. Um, I see you have a nice wine list. You have a lot of really beautiful Italian wines. So that is awesome. Are you a wine drinker yourself? A big one. Big one. Okay, big one. <laughs> What happens to, um, to your, now I'm assuming you discover that your staff is drinking. Yeah. 
okay, what happens now? You discover some, some is this just all of your employees, some of your employees, some of your, is it key management? What happens? How do you approach this? I mean, nobody's like, not like drunk, drunk uh, at work. I mean, it's, it's normal that, you know, when the waiters and waitresses are working and it's, uh, it's a rush, you, you just have like a glass or, or two, you know, to relax and keep on going. But I've had the situations where people show up actually drunk, you know, and I have to send them away, you know, to get sober. And if you don't have anybody to replace them, then you have to cancel all your plans and, you know, do the job yourself because you have two options. You lock the doors or you stay there yourself. And so there are just some chances that I give to this person, but they usually end up being fired if, if it keeps happening. It keeps happening. Great. So how big, how, how many staff do you have in the restaurant? How big is the restaurant? Uh, it fits uh, 75 seats inside. And when the terrace is open, then it's 75 outside as well. So it's total 150. So you double your occupancy based upon the weather. Uh, yeah, the, the, the summer for us, it's, it's very busy. Very busy, so okay. Around the year, I have about 15 employees. And then during summer, it can grow up to 25. Okay. I'm, a, I'm at about the same. I have about 12 to 15 employees. I have 52 seats and then an outside that has 30. So I really get what you say when they come in drunk and then you have to send them home. Somebody has to do their job because there's not that many people in smaller yeah. restaurants like ours to say, okay, I'll fill in the gaps. It's kind of, sometimes you have nobody on call or nobody else left to call. So I totally, totally get that. But we, as owners, we have to stand our ground and set examples and saying, this is unacceptable because they'll keep doing that and walking all over us. So yeah. I really admire that. Yeah, you have to go home. I'm sorry, I'll do the job myself. I and but I, you know, this is this is this is what's going on. You know, but that, that's a really nice way of saying that. I usually don't say anything. I just show the door, and they already understand what it means. You know, they already understand. Yes. Um, how about how about employee callouts? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything bad about my employees. They're all great. Uh, but there are some people who are willing to put in more effort than others. You know, there are people who almost always come out if they can. And then there are others that I even don't bother to ask because I know that they won't come. They won't come. So I have, I have an amazing staff. I have great employees. I tell them that all the time. But I've had ex-employees. And the reason why they're ex-employees is because they didn't work out for them or they moved on somewhere else. But if they didn't work out for them, I, I've seen some really amazing astonishing things over I've been in the management side of this for gee since I was 24 I'm 47 now so I've been managing people since 24 and I've seen just so many insane insane things happen and even in my restaurant in the last several years it's just it's just it never ends it never ends what are some of the what are some of the excuses that you've gotten why an employee can't come to work well uh there was this one uh, woman who said she can't come because she's going through a menopause. And, uh, <laughs> and then, there was, a, then the, there was one other person and he said he can't come because it's his dog's birthday. His <laughs> <Just> dog's <laughs> And I was like, yeah, so what the fuck? You're eating like the dog food together at home or <laughs> making him cake or what? <laughs> so, and, then, and then I have, a, I have another uh, employee uh, who is, you know, like uh, raising cats. 
uh, I think he has like about 25 cats at home, you know? So um, he said that, you know, what if I told you like I have my cat's birthday, you know, I could do this 25 times in a year. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So that's, that, that's the important thing I find in this industry is once one employee gets away with something, the other sometimes think they can get away with the same exact thing. Oh, well, why are you letting so-and-so in there? Why so-and-so did that? So, and I can't stand that. And that's a common thing. So in America here, I don't want to say our workforce is terrible. Our workforce is very challenging. It's very <laughs> challenging this day and age to find people um, that want to work. And they're granted, we have a great staff. I, I love my guys. I love, I love my gals. They do a fab, fabulous job. But when I hire somebody, I know that's going to take five new hires to get one ideal person. Yeah. Are you, do you experience the same thing in Estonia? Uh, well, yes. First of all, our population is very small. Our population is total of 1.2 million only. And uh, since my restaurant is a little bit outside of the town, it's in the suburban area. So it's very difficult to find, uh, to find the employees in general. Talking about the good employees, I mean, you just, uh, you just take whoever you can, especially when it's like, you know, summertime and it's really busy because you don't have a choice and you can't rip yourself into three parts and do everything yourself. So sometimes you just have to settle for, for less. But it's, it comes back, you know, with the feedback from the clients and everything else. So it's, it's usually a huge mess. <laughs> how much, how much uh, staff training do you do? A lot. You know, uh, it's, it's a very big problem, at least in, in my restaurant and I assume in some others as well in Tallinn, um, that people don't know what they are actually selling. You know, because we are living in the world where people are vegetarians, they are vegans, they can't handle lactosis and stuff like this, you know, and uh, the person just, you know, I feel like they can't take 30 minutes to, you know, go through the menu and see what we actually have, you know, and then the vegan needs to meet them, then, you know, <laughs> then you get the one star at Facebook and <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, so you're facing the same kind of patrons we are here a lot of different allergies a lot of different a lot of different yeah. varied styles gluten-free vegan which can be which can be challenging on on a kitchen especially on a busy day and challenging on a staff we specialize in in allergies which has really made us um grow as as a restaurant years and years ago and i'm actually doing a gluten-free speech at a big food show in new york in a couple of days from now about how easy it is to do gluten-free and tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff so for me, it's marketing because they're going somewhere to eat these people. And if we can't accommodate them, they're probably taking two, three, four other people with them to other places. So, but again, it's constant training with my staff that they have to know these terms. The kitchen has to know the kitchen, you know, and there's no guarantees. I always tell them, I always tell my guests, I can't guarantee it's gluten-free, but we're going to take every single precaution we possibly can. We're not going to add gluten to it. We have very little gluten items in the kitchen. They understand that. And most people are totally fine with that. All right, so um, two years into this restaurant, um, what is the future of this restaurant? Are there more restaurants coming? Um, what what do you what are you thinking now? Now that you're in this in in, in the restaurant arena, well, um, in a couple of months, I'm opening up another restaurant. So um, it's going to be sort of the same same style as I have now, and uh, then I don't know then I probably have to hire some more people <laughs> so, you know, to survive. Two years in and you're opening another restaurant. 
Yeah. Um, how is your management team? Do you have a manager? You're a smaller restaurant like I am. Do you have a full-time manager? Are you looking for a full-time manager? Have you had a full-time manager? I had a full-time manager and I had to fire her. So I have been the manager for the past year now, almost. But if, if the business, you know, keeps expanding and I'm opening up more places, I, I probably have to hire a full-time manager again, yeah, who can take care of all the things in all the restaurants. Do you have a proposed location for the second operation? Do you have a spot picked out? Uh, yeah, and it's, it's being built right now. How, how, close, how close is it from your first location? Uh, like five kilometers, maybe more. So not too far? No, it's not too far. Not too far at all. Oh, wow. Bigger, smaller place? Kind of the same size. Okay. But the kitchen will be, will be bigger because uh, we are going to use it as like a production kitchen. So we prepare a lot of like pasta and pizza dough and we can, you know, uh, transfer it from one restaurant to another. So because the new place will have a much bigger kitchen and it's uh, way more comfortable to do the, the things there, you know, that take a lot of space usually. Like making pasta, it's, it takes up quite some space. It does. Yeah. All right, so you're a young entrepreneur, 25 years old, 27 now. What's some advice that you have for other entrepreneurs, restaurateurs your age and female? What, what's, <laughs> what's some advice that you, can, that you can give out right now to some people that, that are in a similar situation? That maybe don't trust people too easily. I mean... Because I felt that, you know, when I bought the place, I was 25 and the manager, she was 45. You know, she had been there for, I don't know, 13 years, you know, since the place opened. And then I came in and I started changing everything. And uh, I saw that she wasn't comfortable with it. And, you know, she tried to convince me that, no, we have been doing this for past 10 years. And I said, yeah, it was 10 years. Now it's, it's my restaurant. I decide, you know, but especially if you're young and especially if, uh, if you're a female, people are maybe trying to walk more over you and um, I, I had it like from my personal experience that I, um, I took too much of, of the advice that I maybe shouldn't have taken and I, I took should advice, have. You took advice from people that were in your organization like the manager things like that? Yeah because the, okay. the staff came with the restaurant you know and then okay. they tried to prevent the changes you know so they were telling me like, no, this is easier and this is better. And I had this head chef who was like, yeah, you know, we have never done those, I don't know, maybe like specialties. And, but, but actually, you know, he was just lazy. He didn't want to do that. But he tried to convince me that some of the things are not necessary. So it took me about a year before I understood that, okay, you know, I just have to put down the word and say that this is my restaurant and I'm the only person who's designing. I'm happy to, you know, to, listen to your ideas, but the, the final decision is up to me. So love it. Love it. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's super important to, to, I'm a huge fan of, of giving my employees, my job description. Here's your <laughs> job description, what you do. And here's mine. And my job description is to pay the bills, make sure you get payroll, uh, your cash checks, make sure all these things. And I make these decisions, I make these decisions, but I look for you for this, this, and this. And I found that once I started handing them my job description, things became more cohesive, things changed. Because I look at them and I say to them, I got your paycheck this week, remember? They're like, okay, <laughs> boss. 
and I got everything else here too, right? So they know as soon as I say that, I got your paycheck this week, right? They're like, okay, which means, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. The more you do your job, the better I do my job. And I got to market. I got to, you know, so, because they don't, they don't realize that a lot of us owners are there at seven in the morning, eight in the morning. Um, we're always, we're always. We're actually working 24 seven, you know, because when we get a call in the middle of the night, you know, we don't, we, we don't care. We have, I mean, we have to, we have to answer it. So we don't care about the other things that uh, we are doing. And I had the very heated argument with one of my employees and he said that I'm demanding too much and I had a really bad day. So I sort of took it out on him and I said, that, okay, you know, if you have a problem, take half a million euros, go buy a restaurant. If you can't do that, then it doesn't matter where you work at, you know, because the business owner always keeps demanding, you know, because he or she has to pay you, you know, it's, it's the law and we have a contract. But if you're not doing your fucking job, then I can't pay you. And then, then you're mad at me, you know. So it's, it has to be balanced out. Right. They think, yeah. that we're, they think that we're raking it in as owners and they see us driving a car or whatever our house. And they think that they have no idea what it's like to take the loan out, to make have the debt. And yeah. they have no idea. So I, I like that how you said, yeah, they have, everybody, I tell my staff, we all have the same opportunity. You have the same opportunity to walk across the street, rent the space, open up a restaurant, make all the calls that you want, do the type of food you want, deal with people like yourself. All You have all these choices. You have the same opportunity as I do, but I've actually executed it. So you have to respect my business and my livelihood because that's what this is right now. Um, this is my home. It's my livelihood. So yeah, I, I, really, I really like how yeah, you- I, I have told the same thing to my employees that, you know, it's- uh, First of all, it is my second home. Actually, it's my first home because I'm, I'm spending more time there than, than actually at home. But, uh, and I've told them that, you know, I have put sort of my life on the line, you know, to buy this place, you know, to pay them uh, the debts and everything, you know, every month. So it's not that I just have to pay you uh, your salary. I also have to pay for electricity, for the water, for the gas, everything else, you know, that that comes with it. I mean, if you're living in an apartment, I mean, you, you want to have hot water, right? And you have to pay for that. But at the restaurant, you pay like five times as much for it. So, and if you just let the water run in the kitchen, then of course I, I come in and I start yelling at you because I see like money going down the drain. <laughs> right, Every, everything, everything, everything adds up, everything equates to money and it's our money. So yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't feel bad about, about holding my employees accountable for my high standards. I used to sometimes, but now it's like, you know what? These are my standards. It's my business and you're, I'm holding you accountable. Gordon Ramsay does the same thing. Any successful restaurant, restaurateur does the same thing. It's our standards and that's it. But yeah, but I, I guess your employees are more afraid of, are more afraid of you than my employees are afraid of me, you know, because it is hard, you know, because I am, I think I'm actually like the youngest <laughs> person in my restaurant almost, or one of the youngest, you know, so I can imagine for some people it's really hard that you know they are older and they maybe haven't you know done so much and then there is like a baby coming in the door and telling me what to do and then it's it's so it could be annoying it, it would be annoying for me you know so that's why i don't want to work yes <laughs> and I, I i can i can feel you at 24 i was i got a job at a country club as an executive chef i was quickly promoted to the executive food director at 24 years old and had 30 people underneath me yeah. I had two restaurant managers underneath me. One was 33 and one was 36. And they're taking orders from a 24-year-old. Um, and then I'm, I'm dealing with a sous chef in the kitchen who's 40 
who I feel doesn't know how to cook properly. And I have to explain to him that in not so many words that he's been misled his cooking career, that he's just not cooking good enough, but he's yeah. always gotten away with that. And, you know, and it's a shame. And they look, they look at me like, you know what? I'm sorry. The food has our, my stamp of approval on it. It's going out, but even, even so, you said, you know, said, you know, said that my employees might be afraid or something. My wife and I play back and forth. So good cop, bad cop. So we find that extremely beneficial. She just knows like when to say like, you better not let Marcus see that. If Marcus sees that, he's going to flip. So get rid of that now. Do something with it now. Do not serve that now. And then I'll say to her employees, I'm like, do not let Jamie see that. If Jamie saw what you were doing, or if she knew, I mean, so we play back and forth with each other, good cop, bad cop. So they, we kind of have our boundaries. Like I'm mostly kitchen. She's mostly front of the house, although we go back and forth and she can cook in the kitchen and I'll run the front of the house if I have to. Uh, but that's been really beneficial for us. Good cop, bad cop. And I'll even do it with my, some of my employees, a senior employee member. I'll be like, I just don't have the energy right now to go tell so-and-so they did something so stupid. So just go take care of this for me, please. Just tell them, make sure I don't see what they just did without me yeah. knowing it. So. Well, yeah. I only have the bad cop uh, role. <laughs> my, husband <laughs> is, my husband is in another uh, industries, but he, he occasionally comes in and, you know, talks about the food and uh, he helps me with, with, with that kind of stuff. But uh, mostly it's, it's just me. But my sister is actually maybe the good cop because she's okay. like, you know, she, she's trying to make sure that I don't see anything that would actually, you know, piss me off. Okay, <laughs> okay. Which, okay, that's, that's good, that's good. All right, so uh, opening another restaurant, uh, what, what's one of the biggest failures you think you've had in the restaurant industry? What was something you did that you're like, oh, wow, I learned my lesson, I shouldn't have done that? Uh, got into an argument with a client, and then I threw her out, and then she wanted to call, me the, uh, she wanted to call the cops because she didn't believe I was the actual, actual owner. So here is the moral: never argue with a stupid client because it won't get you anywhere. It won't get you. So, so I, I think the biggest failure is that I have like put in too much energy in into the wrong uh, places, you know, into ar uh, arguing with uh, with I'm sorry to say, but um, uh, unintelligent people, you know, and and yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm still trying to work work on that every day that I'm I'm not doing the same mistake that I'm not wasting my energy in a places that where I shouldn't have to, you know, because you I, know, there's a customer and she says that the food is like shit. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I understand you don't like it, but let's, let's, let's make a deal that you don't have to pay for it. And then just, just please leave. No, we are not going anywhere. And I'm like, please, please leave. You know, you don't have to pay for it. And, uh, I'm, uh, as, as the owner, I'm asking you nicely, you know, please leave. You don't look like an owner. We are calling the police because we don't believe that you're the owner, you know? And then I wasted like one and a half hours on that, you know? And uh, so these things are the biggest failures for me that you're just losing your energy on the people or situations that don't deserve it. That, that's so well said. Certain things deserves our attention and certain things does not. And certain guests are never gonna be satisfied. It's, there's, so there's certain situations that we just can't remedy. I've never imagined that there would be so many assholes out there. I'm sorry, you know, because when I go to a restaurant, I'm always trying to be polite and I'm always, you know, the criticism that I give, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make it, you know, as accurate as possible so that people would, would learn from it. 
you know, but when you have a customer coming into a restaurant, then the, she, she eats all the food and she gives you back an empty plate and she says, I didn't like it and I'm not going to pay for it. And then they're like, why, why did you eat it? You know, I would have fixed it and made it how you liked it. You wouldn't exactly. have had this. You wouldn't have had to suffer is what I tell them. You wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't have had to suffer. Yeah, you know, she, she takes the, the stick, like the, the bread stick, you know, and she cleans the, the plate with the bread, you know, and, and she's like, this was disgusting. I will never come back here and I don't want to pay for that. And then she comes back in two weeks, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this really, I, I, yeah, that, that's also like a really big surprise for me that there are actually people like that out there or people who drink the whole bottle of wine and then after they say like, okay, this is not the wine that we wanted, you know, and we're not, not taking the wine that. we want, not the wine we ordered. Yeah, but that's, that's, the, that's why we show you the bottle first before we open it. And you say, yes, yes, that's the one. And then you're drunk two hours later and you're, you don't want to pay for it. And I'm like, how can, you, how can you go to sleep at night? You know? Some people, some people, that's just what they do in restaurants and it's unfortunate. Um, all right, so advice to, advice to a brand new restaurant owner. They're just, they're just, they're not opening a restaurant. They're buying an existing restaurant like you did no matter what their age is, what's yeah. one insight that you can give in buying a current operation? Don't trust the seller. Get the second opinion about everything, starting from the kitchen equipment, from the employee contracts, you know, and, you know, actually talk to the employees before you buy that place, because with me, it was the case that the owner didn't want the employees to know that he was selling. So I bought the place and then he introduced me like, okay, so this is the new owner. I got to go by. And I was like standing there. Okay. Hello. And the, all the staff was looking at like, what's that? What just happened? Yeah. And wow. you just make sure that you get a lot, a lot of information, like as much as possible, because during the first year I had to, you know, change out a lot of equipment and uh, like the ventilation system and everything, you know, because I, I didn't have someone next to me telling me that, okay, have that checked out and have that checked out. Was the, so was the previous owner available to answer any questions? Could you call this person? Yeah, I could, I could call him. Yeah, of course. But, okay. So uh, they were helpful. Yeah. Well, I still paid in the end, like the, for the new equipment and stuff. And he told me that, yeah, you knew that you were buying a restaurant that has been, been opened for over 10 years, you know, so uh, things get old, you know, electricity gets right. Old. Just get right. Things, uh, things just uh, wear and tear. Yeah. Wear but maybe I would have negotiated with a, a slightly better deal, you know, if I knew all the, all the a problems. Deal, deal, better deal on the equipment? No, or on the total sale price, you know, because I, sale price. I bought the, well, I bought it with the house and everything in it. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you buy the real estate as well? Uh, no, I'm renting the real estate for 25 years. Okay, if you have a lease on it. Okay. I have a lease, yeah. But the house, the building is mine. Okay, okay, great. Excellent. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it's been a lot longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> we, we, we went longer than 10 minutes, which is no problem whatsoever. Um, and uh, anything else you want to say to any aspiring restaurateurs? Anything you want to say about yourself? Anything you want to say, but just about in business in general? Well, it, uh, it's always a good thing to know the law. <laughs> I mean, st studying law has actually uh, helped me a lot. You know, it doesn't matter if you're negotiating a contract or, you know, or you, it, it's just good if you know your rights or if you know your employees' rights, you know what they can do to you or what not, you know, because in this, 
I feel that in this modern 21st century, people are like throwing out a lot of threats. Yeah, I will sue your ass if you don't do this. And I'm like, yeah, go, go, go ahead, sue me. But actually, in the end, I know that, you know, it's not going to work out for him. So knowing the, the laws about business and commercials, uh, it's, it's, it's very helpful. That, that's great advice. Fantastic yeah. advice. I mean, people get themselves, you know, here's the funny thing. People will not spend money on, addict, on like a good attorney, a good accountant. And these, they hire bad accountants. They hire bad attorneys. Yeah. And just because somebody's an attorney doesn't mean they're giving the best advice. No. It doesn't mean that you're off the hook. My first accountant got me in a lot of trouble uh, with certain things that they just weren't doing. And, you know, you as a business owner, business owner have to know this stuff and hire the right people because ultimately it's our, our responsibility. The attorney's not going to have your back. The accountant's not going to have your back. They're just going to say, you know, oh, well. Yeah. And, uh, and another advice I would give is, I mean, I personally, I'm very close with my family. So I love involving them into, into my business. You know, my, my sister, she's, if, if I didn't have her, I don't know, I would be like, a, like Titanic, I guess. And um, my mother is my accountant actually. So I know that she won't run away with my money. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have that kind of support group, uh, then like people should involve them as much as possible because it's, it's, there is nothing like a family, you know, you can't trust anybody else. Like you trust your own family. And unfortunately, I, I only have one sister. If I had more, you know, siblings, they would all probably be working for me. And Does she work for you full-time? Yeah. Does she have another job, another no. career? She's yours full-time. Yeah, she quit her job when I bought the place because she wanted to help me out. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, and, you know, when I'm away or traveling, you know, then I know that my restaurant is safe, that she's there, she's keeping an eye on everything. So uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about you know, the casual things. And I think that's very important. Or if, if you don't have a, like a family or, or, or you don't want to work with your family, I mean, we fight a lot as well, you know, because we have a lot of, of different opinions. And my sister is older, seven years. Oh. <laughs> so maybe she feels that it's a, bit, it's a bit unfair that her little sister is her boss. So this has a whole new dynamic. Yeah, it does. 25-year-old, new restaurant owner, female, employs a sister that's seven years older. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> but the, but the, yeah, the advice would be that use your family if you can, and if you can't, then don't ever fully trust anybody, you know, because the payback uh, is a bitch. And I'm sure, like, it, it's like this in every industry. It's not, it's not only in, in food business. Yes, absolutely. Every been every industry is like this. Every entrepreneur, every industry, they, we all have the problems. They're all the same or similar to the same. But again, we have these amazing opportunities. So it sounds like you've really um, done a great job uh, doing this and opening another one. That's very exciting. And um, how how do you still have time to play golf? Uh, I started three years ago, and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, and you know, during the summer, it takes up most of my time. <laughs> You do, so you get to play a lot in the summer? Uh, I'm trying to. If, uh, if I have a really busy day, I'm just going to the course early in the morning, you know, so I'll be back like by noon, latest. You okay. know, but I still, get, I still get my round of golf. I'm not sure my employees like the fact that I play too much, but, you know, you have to play for yourself as well because you otherwise you're just uh, 
you will drown. You have to do, you have to do. Um, traveling, we talked about a little traveling before we uh, got on, got live. Um, you go to Italy a lot? Yeah. Uh, I food, love talking. Wine, food and wine excursions, just research. Yeah, you know, it's everything together. Uh, my fa uh, one of my favorite cities in Italy is Florence. And I, I had, I swear, they were the best gnocchis I've ever had in the Florence uh, Central Square. And, you know, in Tuscany, there, is a, there are like really nice wineries. And, you know, you just, uh, you just go, you have a taste. Sometimes you can actually stay the night, you know. They're yes. sort of like hotels, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Tuscany more than in any other. Um, so next time you go to Florence... <laughs> I was just with this lady the other day, Dialetta. She owns Malanchini, the Liliano estate. They okay. are, um, we've been buying her wine for 15 years. She was just at my restaurant the other day. We went in November. We took a group of 24 people there. She has a 16th century Medici estate overlooking Florence. There's villas. She redid everything. There's villas in it. It's beautiful. It's an amazing winery. You wake up in the morning overlooking the Duomo of Florence. I send everybody here that I possibly can. Um, amazing, amazing vineyard. Literally six miles from Florence. So I'll get you all of her information next time you're there. Go say hello to her. I'm not sure if her wine is available in Estonia, but it's an amazing experience. Uh, but I mean, there's just so many good things, good things to do when you go there. So that's fantastic. And I assume that you visit some of your suppliers, correct? People who are producing your wine? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, San Felice is um, one of my favorite wineries. I mean, it's, um, first of all, it's really beautiful, the buildings and everything. And it's, um, it, it, it's just, you know, you, it's, it's, it's a little bit up, up in, the, in the mountain and uh, you just go out of the car and you're like, oh, finally, you know, just, you get this different kind of uh, feeling there. So as a restaurant owner, because a lot of people think that us restaurant owners do not travel because we think we have a, because we have a restaurant. How hard is it for you to travel? Um, and leave, well, and leave the restaurant staff wise, all that kind of stuff. Is it a challenge? Do you do anything different when you do that? How often do you travel? Um, well, I would like to travel more often, but I'm really afraid of flying. So for me, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge to get on an airplane. Uh, but then my sister is managing it for me, but I'm uh, mostly, you know, trying to get everything in order before I go. And I'm, I'm trying not to plan my trips when we have the menu changes, you know, like next week we will have a new menu. So I, I just made sure that I wasn't travel any, tra traveling anywhere in March, you know, just to make sure that the new menu goes out correctly and everything. But mostly, um, yeah, it's my sister. She's, she's cool. great. Good. So you can't be afraid to travel. I tell other restaurant owners, don't be afraid. Empower your staff, trust them, um, train them. And yeah, but you have to gain some inspiration somewhere, you know. You, you, you have do. You do. have to see different places. You have to get new ideas. And, Absolutely. Uh, and a lot, a lot of restaurant owners, restaurants. a lot of restaurant owners will not leave unless they close. And I tell them that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong formula. So yeah, you start actually suffocating your staff eventually, you know, and uh, they will start to annoy yourself as well you know you have to so, so that's why it's perfect you know because i can do the, the deal with the criminals <laughs> and then you know at the long day with the law i can go to my restaurant have a nice dinner you know with a nice, nice glass of wine and talk with my employees of how their day went 
So I would love to do a follow-up episode <laughs> after you're after you in 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 the realm of the attorney world. I uh. would love to do a follow-up. Let's wait six months after you and 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 uh, get an update. Yeah, maybe I won't graduate because it's uh, it's a bit hectic right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stay in touch, and I would love to do a follow-up episode like that. So. Okay. All right, really. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And just drop, uh, how do you spell the name of your restaurant in case anybody's visiting Estonia? They can come find you. It's uh, called uh, Luka, just like a city in Tuscany. L-U-C-C-A. It's very easy. And probably if you Google Italian restaurants in Tallinn, it should be on the top three. Perfect. Excellent. Well, if I ever come to Estonia... I would love to come visit. I would love to come visit. Absolutely. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Excellent. Your yeah. menu looks amazing. Your website looks great. Great wines. Um, congratulations. Thank you very much.